Before we get started, we just wanted to read a quick disclaimer. First and foremost, this is a comedy slash true crime podcast. We are a few guys who like to laugh and crack jokes. We understand the nature of the topic is very disheartening and grim, but our aim here is to bring to light these real-life situations so you, the listener, can be more aware of your surroundings and hopefully laugh alongside with us. We will not make jokes about the victims or the families impacted by the unfortunate situations, but we will make jokes about the perpetrator or anywhere we see fit. If you don't believe people should be joking about this subject, or if you are expecting a more serious retelling of the event, or if you do not like commentary and banter on the subject, then this is not the podcast for you. Welcome back, everybody. This is part two of the Krugersdorp cult killings. (laughs) My name is Octavio. I'm Will. Today's episode gets wild. Uh, There's new scams and dumb as fuck reasons to follow a... uh, 42nd generation witch slash werewolf slash little girl. Nice. So make sure your life insurance is up to date and join us in these bloodthirsty times. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. They are a product of the times and these are bloodthirsty times. Mm. Yeah, still gets me, man. Yeah, it's fucking good. <laughs> it's fucking good. All right, <clears throat> what do you got for us? Uh, yeah, this is going to be a long one, so we're going to just literally jump straight into it. Yeah, there's, no uh, there's a lot to tell, so here we well, go. No, 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 Richard, Richard, Richard. Richard, Richard whoa, don't need he's to. like, I'm going to do my job, damn it. No, 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 easy, bro, easy. Get out of here. All right, sorry. All right, all right Richard, no banter today, all right? Good. All right, cool. That's good. All right. So, like, just a heads up, right off the bat, I want to tell everyone that this whole episode is a trigger warning for murder, suicide, and awful betrayals. The whole thing. All right? Hold on to your butts. (laughs) Building up again. (laughs) What are you doing? No. It's still building up. Man. All right. Ooh. That was... I stopped Yeah, it. so there's your trigger warning for the whole episode. Yeah. If that didn't get your attention, I don't know what will. So, all right. Thank you for that. You got it. So, uh, when we last left off, Zach had just murdered Joy Boonsire and Natasha Burgers because Cecilia wanted revenge on Rhea for not helping her and straight up abandoning her when she really needed her. Zack was now on his way back to Cecilia's apartment, now that he had disposed of the murder weapons and bloody clothes. Upon arriving, Cecilia was waiting for them outside, and Zack straight up ratted on his wife that she had bailed on the whole plan, and Cecilia was actually pissed at Zack's wife, Michaela, but overall was very pleased that the plan had been a success anyway. We didn't really talk about the South African police last episode. We talked about them a little bit, but uh, we talked about them a lot in this episode. Uh, because we see that stupid police work isn't just an American pastime, but a universal one. The investigation into the double murder was pretty much immediately attributed to Satanism, and even Natasha's dad suspected it was an attack by Satanists. The 
police pretty much right away assign their occult unit, because they have one of those, to investigate these crimes. And once again I ask, what in the actual fuck is going on in South Africa that they have an occult unit? Well, I guess it would be kind of like the SVU, right? No, because they do... The SVU is special victims. That's like rapes and assaults and yeah. stuff like that. This is just for satanic murders the, or crimes, satanic crimes. The OVU. <laughs> the occult Victim unit? victims unit. Yeah, OVU. So when they searched both victims' homes, they found literature about occultism and other things dealing with the occult. Um, and this just cemented this as definitely being satanic, but really it was just like religious literature more than anything. But because it was in their apartment, I don't know, they just said, oh, definitely this is a Satan murder. So, uh, I mean, I guess in the big picture, though, they weren't really technically wrong because Electus Perdias wanted people to think this uh, had been done by Satanists. But all I'm saying is people can be interested in different things and not be involved in it at all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm saying. So to add to their occult murder theory, the cops noticed that nothing had been stolen from the apartments, either one. So they're just like, yeah, they didn't want anything other than murder. This is definitely um, some occult stuff. From the so, specialist occult unit, yeah. Yeah, the <clears throat> from OVU. The OVU sorry. Yeah, the OVU. They said, yeah, they didn't take anything, so this is definitely an OVU case. Yep. As part of the investigation, the occult unit interviewed everybody associated with the Overcomers Through Christ program one by one. Everybody, that is, except for Rhea. Even though newspapers had identified Rhea as one of the leaders and close friends of Natasha's, of the Overcomers anyway, um, the police simply didn't need to talk to her, which frustrated Rhea because she really wanted to help find the people responsible for her friend's murder, which is understandable. Yeah. So Rhea did what any sensible person would do, and she contacted the police directly. And for some reason, it took a little convincing, but eventually she made an appointment to meet the occult detective. I don't, it's weird, straight off the bat. She had to convince the detective to meet with her. From so Rhea, the OVU. Huh. Yeah, from the OVU. So Rhea told this detective everything she thought that was relevant to the case, and the detective just kind of quietly listened, and uh, when Rhea was done talking, the detective pretty much changed it from an interview to an interrogation, and began asking a ton of questions about her whereabouts. As it turns out, Rhea was the number one suspect in the satanic double murder. Because somebody who saw Michaela run from the back door thought that the person running from the back door had been Rhea. Oh. And, and also, it's important to know, I forgot to add in here, the detective, while he's interviewing her, didn't take any notes of anything she said at all. He just listened and didn't write anything down, didn't take an official statement. He just sat back in the chair with his arms crossed. Yep, and just stared at her because he was waiting for his turn to talk. Mm-hmm. Not a great detective. Yeah, and it's it's weird because she's a prime suspect, right? So the fact that he straight up refused to take a statement from her is is straight up it's weird. Like it's super weird. Yeah, whether so, or not it's a victim or a witness or yeah, suspect. But it like makes you, it even yeah, it notes, makes it even so. more suspicious that this is his prime suspect. So why mm-hmm. would he not write down what his prime suspect is saying to use against her at least in, in the court of law or something? So he did, however, threaten to arrest her then and there. I don't know how you threaten to arrest someone and then not do it. I don't know. It's just to scare her. I don't know. Either way, bad police work is all this is my main point here. Yeah. So, terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Rhea remembered that Cecilia at one point had warned her that she, uh, that the satanic church would commit these terrible crimes and then blame it on someone else and convince the police it was whoever they wanted it to be. And now 
her worst fears were becoming a reality. And she's actually seeing this happen real time. Yeah, right in front of her. Yeah, so now she's like, God, Cecilia was right about everything. Can't trust anybody. Shit. Yeah. To make matters uh, worse, the text from unknown numbers started, they started coming up again. I don't know if you remember last episode, she, they would get random texts from quote unquote Satanists or the witches. And uh, they had stopped for a while, but after the murders, they started up again. And they would threaten Rhea constantly. Because the treatment she experienced from police, uh, she didn't feel comfortable telling anybody about the text, especially the police. She didn't tell anybody about it, and she was just like, I'm definitely not telling the police because... Yeah, it's like FTP, dude. Yeah. So, not... That's yeah, I know. It's, oh, okay. It's, I thought it was fucked that puto, but, you know. <clears throat> in Mexico. We're in South in, Africa. In George Lopez. So, not even a week after the first revenge murders, uh, Cecilia began talking about a new threat to them and the children, the orphan children, that is. Uh, and this time, it was a pastor named Reginald Ben Dixon who Cecilia wanted to take out. If you remember from last episode, Cecilia had been incredibly jealous of the time Rhea spent with Reginald, and she even accused them of having a romantic relationship. And this was taboo in in their circles because Reginald's married, happily married. And, you know, this would have been their Christian people. They shouldn't be having an affair. But, of course, Cecilia was just making shit up to tarnish anybody's reputation she can. Yeah, she needed a motive. Yeah. So this was yet another plan for a revenge murder, but Cecilia didn't tell anybody that it was a revenge murder. She simply told Electus Perdias that just like Natasha, Reginald was a threat to their operation. When she told a group of her plans to make it out to take out Reginald, they all just kind of nodded in agreement. They're just like, mm-hmm, yeah, this is except well, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally makes except sense. for Marcel though. Marcel questioned whether murder was the only option here. Can't we just like egg his house? I don't know. Can we? Yeah, toilet paper. Yeah. Can we? Um, we bleach his grass. We rub his face in jelly. Yeah. Yeah. Murder. I don't know. Yeah. So Cecilia, needs to say, was outraged that anybody, first of all, would dare question her, and second of all, fucking jelly, dude. Yeah. Yeah. What are you six? Uh, Cecilia yelled that this was war. Like she was like. This is war, and things work differently in a time of war. And she used the Bible as an example that it was okay to kill as long as it was for a righteous cause. Bullshit. Oh, <clears throat> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, just like last time, the group went on a bunch of recon missions, and they learned the lay of the land around Reginald's. Uh, he lived on a one-way street. Um, this time, though, the difference was Cecilia had them practice stabbing and hacking at a pig's head that she had got from a butcher. And after just a few days of scouting and stabbing a pig's head, they had rented a car and Marinda, Marcel, along with Zach and his wife, Michaela, drove over to the gate of Reginald Ben, ben Dixon with the intentions of acting out their deadly plans. Damn, However, so he must, he, he's got to have a freaking pretty big house. If he's got a, it's just the, uh, the thing that I've noticed is that everyone gate. has gates and long driveways. Uh, that seems to be a pretty common thing. I don't know if it is because of crime it makes it harder to crime, but I don't, I don't know. It just, uh, a lot of these murders do take place. Like people have to be led into a gate and they have an intercom system and everything. So, um, yeah. However, Marcel began to feel queasy and she just, she was no longer up for murder. And since they had a pact that if not everybody was feeling 100% up for murdering someone, they would call it off. So they did. They turned around and headed back to the drawing board. 
just because she was like, you know, I don't feel right. Like stomach's all messed up. And so they're just like, yep, let's call it quits for today. It's a weird uh, coming from them, like a code of conduct. Like, yeah, I think this is, this is the only time that ever applies. The rest of the times like get over it yeah. type of thing. So Suck this it up, buttercup. first and only time this comes up and they're like, oh, you don't feel like murdering someone today. Oh, that's okay. We'll, yeah, we'll go back home. Okay. Maybe next time champ. But this all makes perfect sense if you think about it, because Marcel was fucking 14 years old at the time she was accompanying her own mother on a quest to murder a pastor. So, of course, she's not going to be up for murder. This, this this world's fucking so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So your mother's like, all right, kid. I know you wanted to go to the beach today, but instead there is this pastor that's being a little pesky. And we got to stab him. So come along. Yeah, come on. Come, come on. on. That's fucked up. It is. It's incredibly fucked up that her, her mom is orchestrating this with her. 14 years old. Like, that's shitty. Yes. All right. So trigger warning time. Now it's time for trigger warning music. Hold on. It's building. Oh, it's going to build again. <laughs> I don't think it is. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> trigger warning. That is a hell of a trigger warning. No one, <laughs> no one can complain about that trigger warning. Yeah. Because the yeah. point of it is to give you plenty of time to not listen to the next couple minutes. So the new plan was to call Reginald and make an appointment with him because they said they needed spiritual counseling. And they did this so they would know exactly where he was going to be. And on Monday, the 13th of August, 2012, they called to cancel their appointment just a few minutes before he, they were scheduled to appear. So they figured he'd be at home a few minutes before he made any other new plans. So they showed up on time either way, but they had canceled it. So that he, the reason they canceled it is so that he would write down meeting canceled so that there'd be no proof they were there. You know? Yeah, that makes so, sense. All right. So they actually kind of thought ahead about this. Um, so he was there at home uh, just before he made any plans. He was just kind of just chilling at home. And so they drove back over there and they put their wigs back on, those ridiculous wigs that they wore the first time. Um, this time, Zach was wearing one of Cecilia's husband's police uniforms. And Marinda was wearing one of uh, Andres, Cecilia's husband, police jackets. So when they pulled up to the gate, they called Reginald on his cell phone and told them they were police officers here to question him about Natasha and Joy's murder. So Reginald, even though he wasn't sure why they need to talk to him, he said sure, and he opened the gate and Electus Perdias, dressed as cops, drove up to the house. While this was going down, some members of the Overcomers had received text messages stating, A pastor is going to die. There's nothing you can do about it. Rhea's text was a bit more personal, and hers said, Hi, Rhea. You said your goodbyes to Reg. I hope you did. Along with Zach and Miranda, Marcel had once again been forced to accompany her mother on their quest for murder. Marcel didn't want to go, but Miranda said she needed to so she could get over whatever it is she was feeling. Something about not wanting to murder people. You shouldn't have that feeling, I guess. Yeah. She got over that. A-plus parenting. <laughs> So the pair met 
with Reginald and discussed uh, their findings as cops, which was all bullshit. Miranda was just making shit up for him to believe they were cops. And she's just waiting for Reginald to let his guard down enough uh, when, you know, while they're talking. And when he finally kind of let his guard down a little bit, started walking towards the garden, uh, Zach fell back a few steps and crept up behind Reginald. And when Miranda saw Zach in position with the axe in his hand, Miranda gave him a subtle nod and Zack hit the pastor on the back of the head with the blunt side of the axe, trying to render him unconscious. But he was still unconscious as he's, he was still conscious as he crumpled to the floor. Then Zack hit him with the axe over and over again, while Miranda stabbed his chest and stomach. At one point, Zack became so frenzied that he nearly took Miranda's head off, but Miranda kept stabbing him either way. She stabbed him at least 14 times because she assumed someone was only dead when they stopped bleeding. They left the pastor where he had fallen and they made their way back to Zach's place to clean up and change clothes. They cleaned their murder weapons and on the drive over to Cecilia's, they drove, uh, they disposed of the evidence in storm drains. Reginald's wife had been trying to get a hold of him that afternoon and she began to worry when he didn't pick up. When she got home, she first noticed the gate was not locked in a way that her husband would have locked it. She made her way up to the driveway, and she immediately saw the body of her husband lying on the ground. She ran up to help him, but what she found was a bloody, lifeless mess, and she let out a scream of agony until the neighbors came out to see what was happening, and then they called the police. Jesus, man. Yeah. <clears throat> this is the third, no, the third murder, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're already this brutal? Yeah, that's and, pretty fucking gnarly all because some witch <laughs> told them they had to <clears throat> yeah i mean some people have that power over others that are yeah easily uh and my brother said it he, he said it on a, one of the posts he said that it's it, the most impressive thing about this is if you know what she looks like it's impressive that she managed to convince anybody to do what she wanted <laughs> yeah she looks like a golem <laughs> she does. She looks like a, a weightlifter who stopped lifting weights. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like a so, retired, like a retired weightlifter. Like yeah. Gained weight. Gained weight. All the muscle yeah. turned to fat. Yeah. Her hair started thinning. Yep. So Rio was informed of her friend's murder and once again reached out to the occult detective to tell him about the text and talk about what she knew, but once again found herself as the prime suspect. Because according to Reginald's logbook, he had an appointment with Rhea that same afternoon. So Rhea finally wised up and got herself a lawyer because Rhea had no alibi for either of the days the murders had occurred and she desperately needed legal counsel. Well, her counselor informed her that basically all of this was happening because of her relationship with Cecilia. And even uh, Rhea's own children were incredibly disappointed and upset with Rhea because they couldn't believe the ridiculous amounts of trouble she found herself in because of this one woman. And when Rhea had not taken the advice of legal counsel, she basically destroyed any relationship she had with her children. She more or less chose to believe Cecilia over legal advice and the possibility of getting arrested on murder charges and her own children. Again, Why? I don't know. She's just loyal to Cecilia still. She doesn't she does she actually never suspects it's Cecilia until much later when there's court you know oh man um so like she knew all this was going on but she just literally just said oh those satanists are at it again 
not electus perdius my friends you know yeah. you can't be them that's crazy yeah so it gets a little bit crazier on the day of reginald's funeral as she stepped out her front door she almost stepped on something that had been placed on her porch and when she looked at it she saw it was a bloody note that said sorry this is all the doggies left you here's your own little piece of reggie attached to the bloody note was a bloody piece of what looked like brains uh, Rhea took a picture of everything she found and left her home immediately in case whoever had left this was still in the area. She called the police and met them at Reginald's funeral, where she actually brought the note and bloody whatever it was with her. The police told her to take it all, take all of it and put it back on her porch exactly where she had found it, and they had sent a police photographer to take official police photos. It's oh, no, no, go put it back, put it back, put it back. Yeah, but it's strange to me that she even took it to Reginald's funeral in the first place. Like, or that she went to Reginald's funeral. After seeing that? Yeah, after seeing that. And Some people are dumb. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to tell anyone. I, I guess she, she knew there'd be people there. And she may be like, oh, I'll go where there's a bunch of people and I'll feel safe. Still seems weird to me that yeah. she would continue her plans, especially with a piece of Reggie when she's going to watch Bar- Reggie be buried. Maybe yeah. she wanted to just like throw it in the casket. Maybe. I don't know. Still weird. Yep. A few days later, the police returned to Rhea's home with the search warrant. They asked her if she had ever used uh, prepaid phones, to which she's like, no, I have, I have a contract. I don't need prepaid phones. So when the search of, search of her home was complete, one of the officers had found a SIM card in one of her drawers. And it was a SIM card that Cecilia had given her a few years ago, and Rhea just straight up forgot about it. It was just in her drawer, and she never thought about it again. But as you can imagine... This just made her look even more suspicious. Because, like, no, I don't have a SIM card or, or a no, this phone. Is, yeah, this is the only thing I have. What about this? <laughs> then explain this. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, that? I forgot about that. Yeah. So, as you can probably imagine, Rhea wasn't the only one suffering negatively from the murders the cults were committing. Both of Marinda's children were left reeling. 16-year-old LaRue turned to drugs to numb the pain. And oddly enough, Marcel, who is 14, dealt with the chaos by doing better at school and just being jealous of other kids who weren't hiding dark secrets. So her grades just skyrocketed and she's just like, I just want to be a normal kid. Yeah. I I mean, mean, it's it's a coping mechanism. Yeah, the effects of that on the human brain at that age. Like people deal with it differently and she's just like, well, this isn't I'll try to be as normal as possible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll be extreme normal. I'll do really well. Uh, it's it's fucked up, though. I don't... Oh, it is. Like, I feel bad for them, even though like, they are still at fault. I don't know. It's it's hard. This is one of those hard things where, like, they are children, and I do feel bad for them. But knowing what they... Well, especially LaRue, what he does later. Marcel, she kind of... She gets fucked over a lot, especially in the legal system. Mm-hmm. But still... I mean, she, it's, it's, I think I feel bad for them overall. I think that's my feeling about them. The, the kids, yes, because it's not, it it wasn't one of those situations where, you know, you have these young kids that um, commit murders or violent crimes and they were, I guess, affected by like 
literature or shit like that. But this one, when your actual mother is the one making you accompany her to a murder, mm-hmm. like yeah, definitely Marcel. I, I definitely do feel for Marcel. She wanted to. She, I mean, she spoke up and says we don't need to kill people. And uh, but Larue, at right now, I feel bad for him. But later, I, I don't. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um. So, anyways, Michaela though, uh, Zach's wife. She by far had the the worst feelings, so much so that she tried to overdose on pills, hoping to kill herself. But she ended up in the hospital, and that's when she finally expressed to her mother and father that she no longer wanted to be part of Alexis Perdias and wanted her mother to help her get a lawyer because she heard she was a suspect in a murder case. But weirdly, her mom says she didn't need a lawyer. She's like, you didn't do anything wrong, right? So why, why do you need a lawyer? You didn't do anything wrong, right? So... So her mom was, she's on her side, but she wasn't helpful, but she's, she, her heart was in the right place. She was just like, well, just take a step back. But Michaela at this point understood that it wasn't that easy. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh shit. How do I get out of this now? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Michaela's a loose end and has to be cut off. Cecilia is a uh, master, criminal mastermind. Is that the voice? Yes. <laughs> okay. So Cecilia told Miranda one day in September. Do you realize what's going to happen when she leaves Miranda? She's going to run to the police. Now everyone will be going to jail. Then all the trouble and hard work in protecting the orphans will have gone to waste. Wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. So everyone just nodded in agreement at Cecilia's words. I'll take the Oscar. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. Thank you. So everyone just nodded in agreement at when Cecilia said these words, even though she was talking about murdering one of their own and Zach's own wife. Everyone's just like, yeah, you're right. Yes. Cecilia. No, she is yeah. a loose end. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. She's not my wife. She's a loose end. So, well, see, the thing about Zach is that Zach actually thought Cecilia was the woman he was supposed to marry. And Cecilia's disdain for Michaela's lack of ability to do horrendous things to other humans had been adopted by Zach. So to him, this was a necessary sacrifice. And if you've been paying attention to the last episode and this one, that's the reason I always said Zach's wife, Michaela, just to drive home the point of how fucked up this next part is. I have a feeling it's going to be fucked up. Mm-hmm. After Michaela didn't get much... Um, help from her mom she turned to the other person in this world the only other person in this world that she could share her fears with her own husband she told zach she wanted to get out of alexis perdias not only because of the horrible shit her husband had done like murdering three people but because they were basically broke zach was more worried about financing cecilia than he was about paying his own bills and taking care of his wife oh that's a huge drastic step let's just pray about it was Zach's response. And Zach used this time that he was supposed to pray about it to plot his own wife's murder instead. Michaela had taken a step back from Cecilia and spent as much time away from her apartment as possible. And Zach stayed away from Cecilia's apartment too, but only to keep Michaela's trust. And anytime he could get away to see Alexis Perdias, he would. Michaela wanted to sell their house so they could have some money to be able to move far away from this mess. And Zach had agreed to contact a realtor and set up a meeting. This was the first step in Alexis Perdia's plan. The next step was to have a one-on-one conversation between Cecilia and Michaela. 
And no one really knows what was said behind those doors, uh, those closed doors during that talk. But Michaela emerged from the room looking calm and relaxed and she said goodbye to LaRue and Marcel for the last time. Now that the groundwork was set, we get to Thursday, October 4th, 2012. I'm, I'm assuming the conversation was like, okay, yeah, yeah, you can, you can go. Yeah, like, something. No feelings, oh, it's like, okay. Yeah, you, you did your part, like something like that. Something to make her feel okay with her decision to leave. Yeah, she came out calm. It's, it was like, yeah, no, no, I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not for everyone. You know, mm. go start a life somewhere else. I get it. Yeah. So on October 4th, Zach got up for work like normal and had coffee with his wife, which he had spiked with some kind of sedative. They're not sure exactly what, but some kind of sleeping pill. Michaela would be asleep before he even left the house, which was the plan. Marcel and Miranda would use a spare set of keys as Zach had given them to break in. On his way out, Zach and Miranda passed each other while driving, and Zach gave a nod and made the gesture of sleep. Like, you know, she's asleep. Yeah, the head, the head nod. Yeah, the, the head nod and the hands, the hands next to your face. Yeah. yeah, yep. It's like, she's asleep. Uh, when Marcel and Miranda were inside the home, they didn't really waste any time and headed straight for the master bedroom. Miranda enters the bedroom, but Marcel stays at the threshold of the bedroom. Without any hesitation, Miranda puts on gloves and bashes her friend on the head with the hammer over and over again. When she feels like Michaela is fully incapacitated, she pulls out a knife. And Michaela, still in a haze from the drugs and being beat about the head, rolls on her back and looks directly at Miranda. Michaela, I'm gonna murder you now. You have to pray. Confess your sin. Pray. So she does. Michaela mumbles what sounds like a prayer, all the while Miranda is stabbing wildly at her, and she doesn't stop stabbing her until she can't hear Miranda praying anymore. But just to be sure, she stabs her a few more times. Marcel, where are you? Marcel was by the door trying her best not to throw up, because she didn't want to end up like Michaela. On her mother's orders, she walks over and plunges her own knife into Michaela. She tells her mother, My knife is blunt. It won't go in. And Miranda replies, That's okay. I'm almost finished. All in all, Miranda stabbed Michaela 64 times, and she hit almost every single organ. After she was sure she was dead, they grabbed Michaela's heated blanket and threw it over her body. And they did this because Cecilia told them that keeping the body as warm as possible would throw off the time of death so they could establish an alibi. After they got back home from murdering their friend, they were all cleaned up and they just watched a movie. Zach had made plans to meet the realtor that day, the very same day, so she could take photos of his home and meet a possible buyer that same afternoon. When they finally met up, they went inside and found the whole house was dark. And he was like, oh, that's weird. My wife should be home right now. And he started calling out her name. He went to the master bedroom and he says, oh, no, love. Oh, no, love, love. Oh, no, no, love. Just over and over again, right? So the realtor catches up with him and she sees there's blood literally everywhere in the bedroom. It's splattered on the ceiling, on the floors, the, everywhere, the yeah, walls. Yeah, someone 64 times. 64 times, brutally too. <clears throat> and she realizes there's a person underneath the blanket. The realtor um, calls her helper and tells her to call the police. 
And then she comes back and tries to calm down Zack by taking him out of the room and sitting him down. He looks up and says, Is... is Michaela really dead? The realtor gets up and goes to check just enough to confirm that Michaela is in fact dead. Then Zack gets up and drinks some juice from the fridge. Then he looks around and says, Where are the cats? Have, have you seen the cats? After he finds the... After he finds the cats, he calls his dad and just asks him to come to the house without offering any explanation. He says, Dad, come to the house. Then he turns back to the realtor. Will you still be able to sell this house? Are, are the buyers still coming this afternoon? It's hard to say this is suspicious, even though we know it is in the moment. There's no telling how a person is supposed to act, you know? Like, we know that he's guilty, but in the moment, how would you know that he is? It's just, he's in shock. Yeah. You know? So before the police arrive, the realtor hears him mumble, I didn't want to trick my wife. <laughs> but the realtor just pretends she didn't hear shit and goes outside to meet the police. When the Zack feels like they've been inside this home long enough, he asks the police if he can go back inside now because he's worried about his cats. And the realtor informs him that the police said they need to take thorough photographs of the crime scene, to which Zack replies. So you'll, uh, you'll, you'll get your photos, just not the ones you had in mind. But um, Yeah, he made a joke while his wife is being carried away by the yeah. police. Yeah, with the bloody room. Yeah. But he got his yeah. cats. Yeah, he got his cats and he finally yeah. got the police out of his home so he can go inside and go to sleep. Yeah. A terrible human being. Yeah, I think Zach is by far the worst. By far. More than Cecilia, who who told him to do this. Like he offered up his wife on to be murdered willingly. For uh, the greater good. Nah. In the, in uh, his eyes. Yeah, not this time, no. <laughs> yeah. In his eyes. For the greater good of Cecilia. The organization. Yeah. After the murder of Zach's wife, the other members genuinely feared for their own lives. Even Marinda's own kids feared her, feared Marinda. And this was because, you know, Marinda told them straight up she would have no problem getting rid of them like that she did Michaela if they don't do their part. So, you know, that's why they were afraid. Yeah, do it or I'll just fucking kill you. Yeah, you don't say. Yeah. All right, I guess I'll do it. Well, great argument. <laughs> Here are your options. One, yeah. do it. Two, death. Okay, glad. Good. Glad you saw oh, it my oh, way. Okay. But uh, Alexis Perdias didn't murder anyone for the next three years. They they took, or I think it's like two years, because no three years. Took um, a little bit. I mean, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. They definitely tried, but they had allowed a new member in their uh, organization named James, and James was in a relationship with Amber, who we talked about last episode. And uh, Amber introduced James to Alexis Perdias, uh, and Cecilia expected him to figure out a way to murder Ria's son Joshua. So, uh, you know, you're an elected producer now. Now you got to go murder this dude. All right, Jimmy, so, we got yeah. you in. Now uh, you're going to have to kill someone. Mm -hmm. But James wasn't down, you see. He just wasn't. Uh, Cecilia had casually mentioned that uh, Zach murdered some people with an axe. You know, how you know, it comes up in conversation. Yeah. This, yeah. this dude murdered someone with an axe. Yeah, I mean, this weather's, this weather's crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you hear... Uh, uh, this murder with an axe? You know, Zach? Yeah, he's a crazy man with this and fucking axe. During this whole conversation that they're having casually about an axe murder, Zach came home 
or came to Cecilia's apartment anyway, and uh, confirmed all the details. He's like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, that was me. You're right. It was an ex. And uh, this left James fucking terrified. Obviously, oh, yeah. you know, he's just like, you guys are just talking about this. So casually, what is happening? Come face to face with an actual murderer. You're like, oh, God, oh, I couldn't even imagine. Oh, Lord. Uh-oh. So James stuck around and pretended he didn't care about all that murder stuff. He's like, yeah, <laughs> boys will be boys. <laughs> yeah, murder, murder. Yeah, that's yeah, no big deal. Yeah. But, you know, inside James like, fuck, 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 oh. fuck. Shit, 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 shit. <laughs> So James decided that he would tell his co-worker about the plan Alexis Perdias had of having James kill Rhea's son. And he convinced Zach uh, to give the future murder weapon and some money to his co-workers since his co-worker was a foreigner. And I guess his train of thought was foreigners can't be put in jail for murder. They just get sent back to their country. It doesn't make sense to me, but it made sense to Zach. And uh, Zach handed over the murder weapon. I think it was a pistol and a bunch of money for the doing the job uh well right. anyways that so co-worker saying, dude so you're saying that, jimmy just uh-huh. in a whim said hey i got this co-worker he's a foreigner mm-hmm. give him a pistol and some money he'll he'll do the deed mm-hmm. yeah because like, i like yes. i said i think that the train of thought was he's a foreigner therefore he won't go to jail or prison for murder he'll get deported you know and that's what will, will happen we won't have to worry about him anymore but anyways this co-worker dude just took off with the money and pistol and they never saw him again <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Where was he from? I want to say France. Nah, I don't know I mean, why. South Africa. Yeah, he, we can say he's from France. It doesn't yeah. matter where he's from. Okay. He's just he's a Frenchman. Yeah, I didn't want to name off. him. I didn't want to. I, I knew his name and, and it was in the book, but I didn't want to name him. It's not relevant. I don't like naming people. Francois. So, yeah. So anyways, uh, Cecilia, though, she still wanted James to murder Rhea's son, even though the first plan went through. It's like, you still got to murder this guy. I don't know what to tell you. So finally, James, uh, he just went to the police and explained everything. The police put a wire on James. And uh, oh, part, James the, was, the OVU? Yeah. No, I think this is police now oh. because this is talking about murder. So uh, this has been a this is a few months after the first three murders. So the OVU is not really like putting it together yet. Oh. So this is regular okay. police doing their job. So um like I said, the police put a wire on James, and uh, James was off to go talk to Alexis Perdias, wearing a wire and probably sweating bullets. He told Cecilia that he had come up with a new plan to murder Joshua. And this made Cecilia happy because, like, James is being a go-getter. He has a new plan they came up with all by himself. So she was more than happy to hear him out. And he's like, we're going to go over it. And uh, he's like, you know what? This is my plan. How about you tell me how the previous murders went and I'll see what worked there and we can put it into the new plan. Yeah. And, and, and then put everyone input and find, yeah. you know, where we and can then, be more efficient. Yeah. And everyone in Alexis Perdias was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can tell you exactly what we did. This is how we did it. Like play by play. Meanwhile, he's wearing a wire, having them clearly confess to all this shit. So I would be sweating bullets. Yeah, I would be nervous <laughs> the entire time. Wearing a wire and being like, oh, yeah, by the way, guys, um, how did those previous murders go? Yeah, and the crazy thing is they talked like once they got started talking about Michaela, uh, they started talking about, oh, yeah, well, you guys, is there other murders? Like, oh, yeah, we also did Joy and Natasha. And they're like, oh, how did that go? So they had a full on conversation in, in the James convinced it was because he wanted to know how he could do it going forward. Yeah. 
So the next day, James hand like he listened to it that night. He's like, dude, I got a crystal clear audio. Um, this is no way they can't use this. This is hundred percent like I got names, I got dates, you know, all this shit. Hundred let's we're going we're getting these people. So the next day, James handed over to the detective occult. Um, because James, like I said, he, he had all this shit. He's like, dude, they're gonna take this and it's gonna be fucking slam dunk, right? The detective said thank you and then went directly to arrest Alexis Berdias because they're good at their job. Just kidding. None of that happened. He handed it over and they're like, oh, cool. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, bro. Nothing happened with that at all. Nothing came of the clear. Actually, that in that uh, evidence was lost. Never seen again. Oh, convenient. Yeah. So the only thing they did do, however, was they did inform Joshua of the fact that his life was in danger. But Joshua didn't believe them because he wasn't even sure the people contacting him were, in fact, police officers. And he had a distrust of the police either way because of how they treated his own mom. You know, they they made her Rhea is his mom. So they, she's a prime suspect and she's innocent. And then you oh, yeah, yeah. took took the bullshit. You didn't take any of her notes. You know, you just treated her like shit. So why would I trust you? And how do I even know you're a cop? So when it was verified that it was actually cops that were contacting him, they showed uh, uh, Joshua a bunch of pictures of the people involved, and he identified Zach's picture as a guy he knows as Mark. Uh, He said that Mark was an insurance agent who was trying to meet up with him, and that was part of the plan to meet, you know, meet up with Joshua and set up an appointment so they knew where he would be like they did with uh, Reginald. Yeah, it's like a murder. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, that's the guy who I met up with that one time. His name was Mark, but that's Zach. So they arrested Zach. Just just kidding again. None of that happened. The investigation stalled for like two years at this point, and nothing happened at all with the investigation. They didn't do any more crimes. There was no arrest, and there was there's nothing happening to further any investigation. Just done. What the fuck is going on over there? A lot of bullshit, that's for sure. You got some so slam dunks here. You got it. Yeah. A, a, you, an audio confession. You got the guy recognizing that, that like, guy oh. named Mark is actually a guy named Zach. Like yeah, you got a that. visual confirmation. I know that guy. And yeah. Like, mm, cool. Yeah. We're just going to lose this. Yeah. Completely. Just gone. Never to be talked about again. So then we bring brings us to mid-2015. I think it's June 2015. Zach decided he was going to resign from his job at Discovery, which is the insurance company he worked at that made a bunch of money. And he's going to start up his own foreign exchange enterprise. And LaRue was there to help him run this business out of Zach's home. It didn't take long before Zach's high returns promises to his clients didn't quite pan out. And he started to lose tons and tons of money. For this kind of venture, usually you promise 10 to 15% returns, right? Over the course of a year. Like you give me the money, I I invest it, and you get 15% back at the most. Fucking Zach was like, I'll give you 110% back. Yeah, it's like, <clears throat> dude, I'm a pro at the markets. Watch yeah. this. You're going to triple your money. Don't worry about it. Trust me, so, gold is going to skyrocket, baby. Yeah, it, it didn't work out. He, he just lost all everyone's money. Even his, uh, even Michaela's parents who had invested in this business, they lost all their money. So um, Cecilia, who was used to Zach donating tons of money to her every month, was suddenly left without money because Zach had no money to give her. And this led to a ton of strife in the group. Cecilia still expected their donations because the orphanage still needed their help. And Cecilia needed someone to pay for her psych appointments. Otherwise, she would go crazy. We don't want that. No. So uh, she was pissed, basically. She's 
give me my money, bitch. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't care Pay how up. you get it. I don't care how you get it. We're staying on the corner, bitch. So another guy who had joined up fairly recently named John Barnard had also fallen prey to Cecilia's bullshit. Unlike James, he actually was down for the cause. And uh, he's also suspected of having relations uh, with Miranda. It's not really proven, but it's pretty, it's thought to be true. Like it's pretty confident that they were, you know, hitting the skins. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, this guy hitting the skins. Yeah, dude. <clears throat> Bumping uglies. Yeah. Slapping the bass. Yeah. Slapping the bass. <laughs> well, this guy, John Barnard saw that, um, Cecilia needed money and he was like, well, you know what? I have these bosses and they're like super rich and we could just steal from them because, um, the, Myers, Peter and Joan Meyer, who are their bosses, he knew a lot about them. He'd worked there for like 20 something years um, with John Barnard. Right. And mm-hmm. so he's like, I know where they live. I know how that I know that they have an older son who still have that lives at home with them, but he likes to go party and you know he's rarely there. He also knew that the Meyer family was in the process of trying to get permits to build a water park resort. So Electus Perdias decided that they would pretend to be officials from the Department of Trade and Industry. And once they convinced him that they were, they made a meeting um, to help give him a loan so that he could finish the uh, water park. So anyways, they made a meeting with with the guy and they were going to just. The plan was to rob him and hopefully steal millions, you know, because obviously he has enough money to build a water park. He should have a ton of money, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I still don't get they've had two plans so far where they pretended to be. One, police officers, because mm-hmm. they had a shirt and a jacket. And two, officials from the Department of Trade and Industry. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, it worked How both are times, people unfortunately. super gullible? They just don't see, like, they don't have that that sense of, like, the hair stands on the back of your head. Like, hey, something, like, I don't know. This is, well, this yes. is fucking weird. Why, why is it? Yeah, you would if if you're going to be investing and you have a plot of land, you're like, I'm building a water park here. You should already be in contact with the Department of Trade and Industry and you should already have a contact person there. And when someone else calls you. You'd be like, hold on a second. What the fuck? Who are you? Yeah, I don't. So, well, they do. I'll talk about it literally like a minute, but like they do see that something's up. But this is over the phone still. They haven't met up in person yet. Mm, Okay. So after scoping out the place, they attempted to make contact, like going up to the gate and, you know, pull in so they could have an impromptu meeting. Uh, The intercom was broken. So Joan had to physically walk out to the gate and see who it is and decide whether to let him in or not. But when she got to the gate, she saw a group of people in the car and she just got a bad feeling. And she's like, "Uh, no, my husband's not home. Can you guys come back later when he is home? She's just you guys this doesn't feel right so no one's home yeah i thought it was gonna be one person why does the department have to send four people yeah so she got a bad feeling she's like no my husband's at home all right good for her Mm -hmm. yeah so she she got a bad feeling yeah someone's got some chops around here yeah so on november 27th 2015 the plan was ready to go and after a series of phone calls ensuring they got an appointment with the myers they had their they made their way to the Myers residence and were let in the front door this time because the intercom was working. They got it fixed while they were gone. 
The original plan was to tie them up and ransack the house and get as much money as possible. Then they were going to throw them in the empty pool so they could have more time to escape. That was the plan anyway, but they found that the pool had been filled with water, so they had to come up with a new plan on the fly. After a few minutes of talking to Alexis Perdias, the Myers felt uncomfortable, and they got a phone call and told them that their son would return in just a few minutes, and this wasn't true. They were just like, oh, my, you know, our son will be back in since we got to cut the meeting short type of thing, mm-hmm. because they, they both at this point were like, something's not right yeah, here. Yeah, the heebie-jeebies are like... We need to get get these guys the fuck out of here. Yeah, so they made up an excuse to try to get them out, but all this did was make Zach tense with anticipation. Miranda, at this point, she's like, well, it's now or never, you know? So she pulls out a revolver and said, yeah, this isn't going to work for me. What I'm after is your money. Lie down on the fucking floor. Alexis Perdias, then I'll put on gloves, and Marcel ties the Myers up with zip ties. Where is a fucking safe? Zach demands. But Peter says they don't have one. But Zach isn't buying it and asks over and over again about their safe. Lying to us won't help. We know you have a safe in your house. Just tell us where it is, and then no one will get hurt. But Peter tries to tell them the truth, which is that they don't have a safe in the house. That's the truth. And they don't keep their money in their home. Zach pulls out a big knife and asks, Where are the keys to the safe? When the Myers didn't answer, Zach started stabbing Joan. And her husband, Peter, starts saying a prayer out loud. Then Zach starts stabbing Peter. He then starts going back and forth, stabbing Joan, then Peter, then Joan, and so on. This definitely was not part of the plan. And then Peter's phone rings and Marcel answers it. On the phone, Peter's co-worker named Jason is outside Peter's home. And Marcel says, you know what? Now's not a good time because Peter and Joan are having like a huge fight. And it's just really uncomfortable. So Jason turns around and heads home even though this does all seem off to him like what's he gonna do though they're not letting him in and he you know he said come back later so that's what i I would be like who the fuck who answered the phone yeah who are you the unexpected visit from jason however it makes everyone panic and then as soon as she hangs up the phone they clean up what they can and take whatever money they find when they get back to cecilia's marcel or when they get back marcel heads straight to cecilia's place to change since there was blood on her clothes. The weird part about this is that Andres, Cecilia's husband, the cop, was home and apparently didn't notice a fucking thing. I feel like if a young teenage girl entered your home, like even if I was into a deep session of like the Division 2, I would notice a teenage girl with blood all over her walking into my house or apartment. Yeah. Like, what was he doing? He's a cop. And even if he was playing video games and it was like he was trying to get ranked, I don't I don't know what the deal would have been. How do you not pay enough attention to see that someone is coming to your house and there's blood all over them? I don't know, maybe he's playing a real game like Rainbow Six. Yeah. Something. A real game. Yeah. Anyway, they counted their take and realized they had murdered two people for seven hundred Rand. Seven hundred Rand is equivalent to forty seven dollars and fifty cents. The good news is, though, they took this money and went to the casino and tried to flip it for more money. Well, everyone lost their share. Everyone just gambled it away, except for Marcel, who managed to win 2,000 Rand. And when Marcel told Cecilia about the money she won with her share of committing a murder, uh, Cecilia said, you know what? 
come to think of it, I know a different witch who also needs help. And the cost of helping her was, Will, can you take a guess of how much it costs to help this different witch? Uh, 1,500. No, 2,000 rand. Oh. Exactly 2,000 rand. So, oh shit, the money that Marcel just won, oh. she just won 2,000 rand. That's exactly what you I need. You know what? The light bulb, like the, I yeah. have $2,000. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, 2,000 rand. Yeah, hand it over. You know, that's that's my money. Or, I mean, that's the other witch's money. Right? Oh, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. The witch's money. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to give it to her later. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're going to meet up. It's fine. Yeah. So, it's a whole to do. Yeah. So, the bodies of the Myers were found by their son later that night. And the investigation at first were not connected to the other satanic murders. It had been a couple years. But when they reviewed CCTV footage from the area, they saw the same BMW coming and going several times. And the plates had not been switched out like they did with um, Natasha Berger's murder. Um, so they were able to quickly identify the owner of the BMW as Zach Valentine. However, in the CCTV footage, it was Marinda behind the wheel. So the police called both of them to come in for an interview. To make matters worse, they had found Marinda's fingerprints on a document they brought for their meeting that they left there. They explained all this away, though. They explained all this away. They, they said that they had they had been in the Myers' home. They were there. But there was another couple there who had been fighting real bad, and they made them feel real uncomfortable, so, the, so they left. And when they left, everyone in the house was still very much alive, I swear. Everyone was still alive when we left. But these people were fighting, so we had to get out of there. And with the combination of what they said and the combination of Jason's testimony that someone answered the phone and said they're fighting real bad, you know, it kind of were like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. There's two people saying the same thing. So maybe there was a couple fighting and maybe maybe this was a murder-suicide type of thing. I, I don't know how they could assume that. I don't think they did, but I'm just saying they didn't pin it on them even though there was physical evidence of them being in the home and really no one else. All right, sign me up for the freaking South African police force. <laughs> I know, and it's funny though, because this is 2015. So this yeah, is... I'm going to be like, all right, hold on a second. Who is this other couple? Yeah, who was it? Okay. Why, why were you there though? What was your yeah. business there? Oh, the acquaintances. How do you how do you know them? Ah. Well, then what, well, then what were your fingerprints doing on official documents from Trade and Industry saying that you're trying to give them a loan? You don't work for Trade and Industry. Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah, hold on a second. Yeah. Oh man, we solved it. Yeah, we solve anything. So with the police not really doing much, uh, the Myers' own son took to doing his own investigation. And he scouted the entire area and he went driving around looking for anything he could find. And he happened to see some zip ties a few miles away from the house on the side of the road. Um, They seemed to match the ones used on his parents and decided he needed to show the police. But all this did was make him the number one suspect because it was just so suspicious that he happened to find matching zip ties a few miles away from the crime scene so quickly when the police couldn't even do that. So he's like, how did you find them if we couldn't do it? You must have known exactly where they were. You put them there. Safe. uh, Case solved. It'd be like, hey, I found this murder weapon. Oh, you must be the one that did it. (laughs) Why would I bring it to you then, dipshit? I would have fucking thrown it in the lake. Yeah, so basically because he did what the police couldn't, he was like, oh, you you were very suspicious. Hey, I found the zip ties. I used to tie up my, my parents and kill them. Oh, then you must have done it, right? Yeah, how did you find them so I would have brought them to you, you fucking moron. God, they're stupid. <laughs> because the police didn't have hard, hard evidence on anybody, no arrests were ever made. 
but Cecilia still needed money. So her new master plan was unveiled. She would ask Zach to take out a life insurance policy on himself and make Cecilia the benefactor. Of course, Zach did as he was told, and once he did, Come Zach on. had to die. Come on, dude. Yeah. Someone said, hey, take out a life insurance policy, put me as your benefactor. It'd be a red, like, what, you're going to kill me? <laughs> well, he didn't question her. That's, that's, that's the thing. He was a good little soldier. Fucking, st- oh, man. Yeah, so Zach had to die now. Well, well, they would say Zach had died. And to make it more realistic, they would need an actual dead body they could pass off as Zach's, right? So now he's like, okay, someone else is going to die. Yeah, my- the, the police are so fucking stupid. They won't actually know that this dead body's yeah. me because they're we, not going to do fingerprints. But I, th- I think there was a moment when Zach was like, you need me to have life insurance? Yeah. Me? And he's like, oh, okay, you're going to have someone else die and they're just going to say as me. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Man. Woo. Talk about So uh, it just so happened that they knew a couple who they had paid to clean out Cecilia's storage unit. And then once it was clean, uh, Cecilia had offered to let the couple stay in that unit. It was literally a storage unit. And they um, they would have to like be locked in at night so no one would know they lived there. And they're like, well, we're kind of we need a place to stay. So sure. They agreed to it and they were grateful for it. You know, they, they had a roof over the head. It wasn't ideal, but, you know, it was protection from the elements. Um, And this couple's name was Jared and Karen Jackson. On December 15th, 2015, Alexis Perdias had driven to a motel that was, um, it wasn't even that far from from Cecilia's apartment. It was like two blocks away or something, maybe three. And uh, they had paid for a week under the name of James. This was where Zach was supposed to live while they set all this up. And, you know, they would receive life insurance benefits. So he just had to wait it out for a week. And uh, in, in a week's time, they had the benefit money. And they genuinely thought it would take a week at most to get this done. <clears throat> Which is really stupid. A week? Anyways, so on December 16th, 2015, Zach and the gang caught up with Jared and told him they would pay him just for accompanying Zach on a trip. When he told Karen about the quick buck he was about to make, she was a little worried, but ultimately understood that they needed money and they said their goodbyes. For the trip, they took two cars, both of them belonging to Zach, and they brought two bottles of orange juice and one bottle of mango juice, since it would be Jared, Zach, and LaRue in the first car. The difference in juice was because they needed a way to know which juice they put the drugs in to knock Jared out. So they put all the knockout medicine in the mango juice and handed it to jared once he took a couple sips uh, after a little while jared was sound asleep in the front seat after they were sure he was asleep larue who had been sitting directly behind him took out a rope and strangled jared then zach pulled over and they transferred jared's body to the other car and marcel got in the first car with jared knocked out in the driver's seat they pushed the car down the side of the road and lit the whole car on fire. They drove until they could make a U-turn and drove past the burning vehicle to make sure it was fully engulfed in flames. During the investigation of the burning vehicle, they easily identified the vehicle as belonging to Zach, which is what Alexis Perdias wanted. They did, however, notice that none of this seemed like an accident. I mean, there was no skin marks or any signs that this was an accident in any way. The car wasn't flipped. You know, it wasn't... uh, 
any kind of damage aside from the flames that had engulfed it. But it, they knew that this was not an accident. It was pretty easy to tell. Yeah, it just didn't <clears throat> self-combust. Yeah, that doesn't just happen. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, this wasn't an accident, but the car was on fire and there was someone in there to be burned alive. So uh, at this point, once they did figure out that even if it wasn't an accident, Zach did die in the fire, at least officially, the word spread pr pretty quickly about Zach's death. And then all of Alexis Perdias acted as if it was the first time they're hearing it. And uh, if you're wondering what Alexis Perdias told Karen about Jared, they told her that when they were about to leave for the trip, Jared simply changed his mind and he just went off somewhere else. He's just like, no, I don't want to go with you guys. I'm just going to leave, go my own way. And she bought it because unfortunately, Jared had a uh, history of kind of doing that. And Karen kind of assumed he was on like a walkabout. Just it was unfortunate because he, he did has done this before. So he's like, oh, that's not too far out of the realm of possibility. So yeah, he tends to bail and just go do his own thing and. But at the same time, she didn't because the last time Karen wasn't pregnant. She was this time. So why would he bail on his wife and child? He was excited about it. So she's like, well, it's possible, but I don't think that it is. But there's no no maybe, other proof to anything else. Maybe reality set in. He's like, shit, I can't have a kid. Yeah, I don't know. But she bought it either way. Um... So because it was confirmed that it was Zach's body, Marinda had gone to the morgue and spoken to the pathologist and uh, he had decided there was no foul play involved. So Marinda asked for the official paperwork stating this was Zach and there was no foul play so she can get the insurance process going. For some reason, this wasn't suspicious to the pathologist and he was just like, yeah, here you go. Here's sign the paperwork and you can, I released the body and all the reports so you can turn them into whoever you need to. Yeah, and so, he just went oh, along with sick. it. Sick, sick. No foul play. All right, can I get that paperwork there, son? Yeah. So she's. That was like get the some, next uh, day. Some money coming my way. That was like the next day. So how do you even if you're not a police officer, you're a pathologist? How are you gonna be like? You know what? Uh, you're asking me for reasons of insurance. You say? Yeah. Um, that's weird. So yeah. there's just a lot of negligence going on in the official capacity. So, no one has any hunches over there or any sense of fucking common sense apparently <laughs> so she also contacted the mortuary because she wanted to have zach's body cremated pretty much that same day because if it's cremated you know that's the yeah. end of it yeah. however <laughs> imagine being the guy yeah thank you for calling uh zimbabwe fucking uh crematorium how can i help you hey can i can you pencil me in for like a one o'clock <laughs> i've got this body and it's still warm can you get rid of it <laughs> It's awful, dude. It's, uh, it's yeah, just so I, shitty, like, all around. So, the good thing was, they did, however, need a signature of the officer in charge of the death investigation. And this wasn't detective occult. This was police detective. And when Cecilia made contact with him to get him to sign off, she also casually asked about how life insurance payouts work and how quickly they would be getting paid. And obviously this was crazy suspicious and said he wasn't signing off on shit. Finally, a competent police officer. Yeah, finally. He's like, yeah, no, I'm going to go ahead. Wait, hold on a second. What? Nah, I'm not signing this. Yeah, so the police's doubts about the whole situation led to a prolonged investigation done by the life insurance carrier. And basically both the police and the insurance company both smelled bullshit. 
but were having a hard time proving anything because the body had been burnt so badly. There was no, um, no signs of like the, the choking that was done since he was burned so badly, there was no sign of it. So they couldn't prove yeah, there's no fr- like forensic evidence that yeah, they could pull from the body to show the nature of how the person died other than they got burned to a crisp. Yeah. So meanwhile, Zach was still in hiding and his prepaid week was about to run out. So they had to pay for another week. And when Alexis Perdias didn't have the money up front to pay for the whole week, Zach would check out and go somewhere else. We don't know where he went for like a few days and then return when they did have money to pay for the whole week. Obviously, tensions were mounting because Cecilia was waiting on a 3.5 million rand payout, which is $238,000 American. But in the meantime, funding Zach's hiding spot was getting harder and harder to maintain. Alexis Perdias were not ready for any kind of snag in their plans because they're fucking idiots. Yeah, just buy him a fucking tent and say, hey, go camp out underneath this bridge. (laughs) We'll buy you Wendy's. (laughs) That's it. You're not staying in a hotel, you dipshit. The part that gets me is that they're like, yeah, we tops, man. We, we got this down pat. There's yeah. no problems. No one's going to question shit. It's going to be easy, man. We'll be living on easy street. And then yeah. everyone everyone with the brain cell is like, oh, nah. Yeah. Now, 3.5 mil, seven days tops. Watch this. <laughs> Hold my beer. Yeah. So Cecilia's bills and doctor's visits still needed funding. And with Zach not being able to contribute because he was dead, meant that they needed a new plan. They figured they could just rob people again, but realized that if they wanted to get away with stealing from somebody, they would also need to murder whoever they decided to steal from. Once again, John Barnard, ever so helpful, spoke up and said he knows a rich tax consultant named Glenn McGregor. This guy knows everyone, huh? Yeah, he's, he's he gets around. All right. Well. So John tells John tells Alexis Perdias that Glenn is a very well-off um, tax consultant, and he's also very untrusting of banks, which is ironic as fuck. Yeah. So, so he's bound to keep his money at home, right? That's what that means. He's, I mean, he would he's be the in his best. Mattress. He would be the best tax consultant. Yeah, keep your he's money like, in a mattress. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna make sure you don't pay a cent to the goddamn government. I don't trust this shit. I don't trust banks. He's going to find every tax write-off known to man. That's who yeah. I want to go to. So Miranda did some scouting and decided it was time to act. So on January 27, 2016, John drove Miranda LaRue and Marcel to Glenn's place, and they knocked on the door. Glenn was watching TV and was not expecting company, meaning his place was a bit messy. They walked inside and chit-chatted a bit, but then randomly, Miranda produces a pistol and aims it at Glenn. Yeah, stay calm and lie down. I'm going to rob you. <laughs> Glenn looks at her and laughs like, you can't be serious, woman. He lied down for a moment. Then he got up and was like, wait, fuck this. Glenn was a bigger man and LaRue was not. Miranda saw this and worried that they wouldn't be able to take him uh, if they came to a fight. So she just shot him in the stomach and then again in his side. LaRue tried tying him up but couldn't get Glenn's arms behind his back. Miranda then instructed her children to look around the house for any valuables. They didn't find anything, though. Miranda then got the idea to go into Glenn's phone and see what was in his account. But Glenn refused to tell her any of his account details, so she told him, Glenn, give me the information. I'll phone someone to come help you, okay? Please, I'll help you, but then you have to help me. 
Unfortunately, this tactic worked, and when she got into his account, she transferred 6,000 Rand into her own account, with a note that said, Excellent fuck. Ugh, it's dirty that she did that. Yeah. But I'm covered up. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm assuming this guy's like fucking an Irishman. McGregor. Maybe. I mean, there's all kinds of people in South Africa, right? Yeah, but like McGregor's a... Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, people well, go there. Irishman. Yeah. Irishman. Yeah. So once the money had been transferred, Marinda gave LaRue a signal and he threw a plastic bag over Glenn's head, then proceeded to choke him out with a rope like he had done to Jared. After he was dead, they dragged his body to the bathroom and put him in the tub and then filled the tub with water. And this was done in the hopes that the water would wash away any DNA they may have left, but also to throw off the time of death. And this is why uh, LaRue, even though he started out young, I don't feel bad for him in the end because he just murdered two people with a rope. So, yeah, no, he could, uh, he can burn alive everyone mm -hmm. else yeah. in the beginning, but there's, there's uh, a time to change. Yeah. He, at this point, he, he was did not. 16. So he's 18 or 19 now. So, yeah. This is, you're a fucking adult. Yeah. Son. Yeah. So, so going around, going around freaking killing people. He, he had time to get away whatever he had to do i think he did try to run away and found that he had nowhere to go but still um there's always somewhere to go right there's always somewhere to go yeah and this is like there's been a couple times we talked about people who had like troubled childhoods like this and then when they grow up like oh you are a piece of shit so you know yeah, you obviously like <clears throat> used it as a crutch and said well you know this happened in my childhood this is why i act this way it's like yeah that doesn't fly here son you could have done numerous things to change your outcome and yet you fail to. And here you are murdering people. So. Yeah. Uh, Zach, however, um, during this time, um, Oh wait, I'm not there. Cecilia was happy with their 6,000 Rand take. And, um, Zach was still in hiding and he's like, well, we can use that 6,000 Rand to, um, pay for some more lodging. Cause I need more time. And, um, yeah, Cecilia's like, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Zach's but, like, hey, man, uh, it's cold out here. I could use another motel room now that you got that money. Yeah, about that. Yeah, so, and what's even more fucked up is that uh, Cecilia was happy about the 6,000 Rand, but she wasn't happy that the money was in Marinda's account. And the very next day after that, Cecilia sent LaRue to go get Marinda's bank card while she was working at she's she's a teacher still she's teaching a class and is like hey mom i need that bank card cecilia wants to go get the money now and she handed it over because cecilia could just couldn't wait just couldn't wait she got off work so like i said the rest of the crew had assumed that the money would be used to pay for zach as well not just zach um was he was like yeah I'm, I'm out here and i need money but everyone else was like yeah are you gonna help zach um and uh like i said i i don't know where the majority of that money went to the only thing Zach saw that money was when uh, Cecilia paid some of the rent on a unit Zach was staying at uh, is a monthly fee instead of a weekly fee. And she paid some of the uh, the money up front, not all of it. Oh, it's like those um, those like long stay hotels mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So uh, this, too, was short lived as one day Zach just upped and left the place without paying the rest of the deposit. So um, Electus has sent James uh, Zach James' ID card in hopes that Zach could get a job as James 
so he could help pay for the orphanage. They didn't give a fuck about his him paying from himself and having food. They said you need to get a job so you can help us pay for the orphanage, aka Cecilia's bullshit. Yeah, no, no, it's for the kids. Remember, yeah. for the kids. The he Zach didn't use James' ID. He, however, did get a job literally two blocks away from Cecilia's place, helping a Christian ministry under uh, the name of Michael Davilios instead of James. So the ministry also let him stay in a back room on the property, and he would share this with other people who weren't well off. I think he had like one roommate. And um, meanwhile, Cecilia had gotten a visit from Discovery, who was the insurance company Zach had bought his plan through. And Discovery was already convinced uh, something wasn't right, obviously. They knew this, they couldn't prove anything, but so we're going to talk to her directly. So they went and saw her in person. But after the interview, uh, it basically, in the interview, Cecilia straight up lied to the insurance company about a bunch of bullshit they weren't even asking about. She just went on tangents and made up shit. And <laughs> after that, they were now 100% sure that they were not about to pay a single dime to these people. After this interview, they're like, yeah, done. And they just skirted. Every time they would call, they would just skirt and like give them the runaround from this point on. Yeah, like, no, these people are fucking crazy. This probably didn't happen. Don't pay them a fucking cent. Yeah. Cecilia, however, thought the interview went super great. She's like, yeah, I did a good job. I, I told them what they needed to know. And she was real proud of it. She was just waiting on the money now, any day, any second, transferring to the account. And uh, when it didn't happen right away, she told Miranda to send a follow-up email posing as Cecilia's sister and asking uh, when the money would be t- deposited. But it's uh, it's unclear. and I, I don't think Discovery ever replied to her email, ever. So they just, just, yeah, just kind of ghosted them. Yeah, like, so no, he's uh, a psychopath. Yeah, fucking talk to him. So as Cecilia was once again waiting for the insurance payout, she once again decided they needed to murder and steal from somebody in the meantime. What? Yeah. Oh, it's trigger warning time again. Oh, God. Hold on to your butts. There's so much buildup. It's happening again. Oh, God. I'm so scared. (laughs) So this time they decided that Marinda's own broker named Anthony Schofield would be their target. And so Marinda got to work scouting him out and setting up an appointment with him. On May 10th, 2016, the group had set up an appointment with Anthony at a restaurant near Marinda's apartment at 6 p.m. Well, five minutes to six, LaRue called Anthony to tell him he was running behind. He told Anthony that he lived just up the street, just a few kilometers away from their original meeting place, and they could meet at his place. Anthony, being a nice guy, agreed and made his way over to Myrna's apartment. They let him in, and they made small talk with a broker, um, because this is Miranda's broker. So they made small talk, and when they felt he was comfortable and let his guard down, Miranda pulls out a pistol again and says, This is a stick-up. Anthony reacts like Glenn did. He just doesn't believe what he's seeing. But then when reality sets in, he gets real angry and he gets up to fight. But this time, Anthony, the victim, is 60 years old and LaRue is able to overpower him because, like I said, LaRue's a 19-year-old little dude. So he was able to able to overpower Anthony. And he ties him up and then rummages through his pockets and takes any valuables he has on him. Miranda goes to his wallet and orders him to give up the PIN number to his bank card. When Anthony doesn't talk right away, Miranda once again makes empty promises and tells Anthony that if he cooperates, she won't kill him. So Anthony mumbles his pin, 
and Marinda sends Marcel down the street to the local ATM to test it out. And Marcel finds that the pin doesn't work. But then she tries again, and it works. Maybe she was just nervous and put it in wrong the first time. I don't know. But it worked the second time she did it. Marcel calls LaRue to say that it worked. So LaRue pulls out his rope and strangles Anthony from behind. Anthony is dead before Marcel even gets back to the apartment. When she gets back, she helps LaRue put Anthony's body into his own car and drive it to a place in Krugersdorp that they know is heavily, isn't heavily patrolled. And so they abandon their car there with its owner in the trunk. They put the car here in the hopes that a thief would steal the car. You know, they see a car by itself with the keys in it. They're going to be like, hell yeah, yeah free car. Like, sweet. Yeah, they're just going to take off with the stolen murder car, you know. And one of the shittiest parts about this murder is that he, like I said, he was like retirement age and he was actually planning on taking an extended vacation the very next day. Damn. Yeah. So by this time, though, uh, so they were supposed to meet at six. And even if um, Anthony, her husband, had two appointments in the same place or the same day, uh, he should have been home right now. So um, his wife was had already contacted the police to say her husband was missing. She wasn't fucking around. She's like, he's should have been home by now. I need to call the police. And yeah, I know. I know his schedule. Right. Yeah. He, he won't be late. Like, this is the time frame. He's not here. Immediately report missing. And when they received the report, one officer said he actually saw a vehicle, like the one in the description. And um, it, it was nearby an abandoned. It was abandoned near a school. Um, so he had already seen the car fit in the description. So they went back to that location. And when they investigated the car, like it was within the hour. And they quickly realized that there was a body in the trunk and that it was, in fact, Anthony Schofield. The very next day, Cecilia sent LaRue back to the ATM and he managed to withdraw the max amount of 8,300 Rand. Then the day after that, he goes out and gets another 8,300 Rand. And on the third day, he finds that the card had been canceled, but it didn't matter because Cecilia was very happy with her 16,600 Rand take. <clears throat> That's the Damn. most they've gotten. Takes three days. Yeah, it's a, uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know how the like, like if you find the body of the person, do they like? I guess canceling out all their cards is probably at the back end, right? Yeah, especially since uh, if they had done it maybe the first day, like right when they murdered him, they probably would have been more suspicious of it because he was dead, and maybe. You know, I get alerts when something <clears throat> happens in my account, and maybe she just didn't have that set up. Yeah, like, I don't know if during their investigation, they're like, oh, check his wallet. Oh, he's missing his bank card. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I would think it would happen sooner, but I I, I don't know their processes. Mm. So because of the success of this last murder and the theft, Cecilia immediately started making plans for their next victim. They decided that the brokers were the way to go. And 16 days later, on May 26, 2016, they made another appointment with a man named Kevin McAlpine. But just like last time, just a few minutes before the scheduled appointment, Kevin got a call from LaRue informing him that he couldn't make it. So Kevin also agreed to meet up at LaRue's place because, again, just like Anthony, Kevin's just a nice guy. He's like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll meet you at your place if it's easier for you. Then, once again, Miranda emerged brandishing her pistol. Kevin laid on the floor and fully cooperated from the beginning. When Marcel called to verify the information was accurate, uh, LaRue immediately started choking Kevin. This time, however, LaRue struggled to kill Kevin quickly. 
and Marcel was horrified to see LaRue in the middle of killing a man when she returned. Just like last time, though, they used Kevin's own car and put his body in the trunk. They put his car on a different street that was a well-known area where drug dealers and sex workers did their business. And uh, Cecilia this time didn't wait till the next day. This time at 9 p.m. that same day, she made two withdrawals and both of which had already alerted Kevin's wife of the transaction being made with her husband's card. Then she received a call from fraud department and canceled the card right away. Kevin's wife acted quickly and helped the police locate her husband by using the tracker on their vehicle. But by the time she got to her husband's car and his body, it was far too late. Dude, Larue's a little fucking shit, man. Yeah, Larue's shit. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Like, I understand needing money. But then to kill someone for it, it's like, fuck, man. Like, wear a goddamn mask so they don't know your face. Yeah. Rather than kill someone. Yeah, that's pretty much why they killed I'm, too. Is because like, yeah, they, I'm, not, they, I'm, not, I'm not condoning robbing people. You I'm know saying. where I, you know where I live, you know what I look like. I'm not yeah. gonna let you go. Like, like, I, I again, I'm not condoning robbery, but if that is what you're doing, there's no need to kill the person you're robbing from. Just take their fucking money or their fucking card. They don't know what you look like, so they can't point you out to police. There's no need to fucking kill them. Unless yeah, especially over, you are addicted to killing people, which it seems like. It seems like to be the case that the power that they feel when they do it. Yeah. Um, Fucking assholes, man. So from this one, they managed to get 1,300 Rand, which is not a whole lot compared at least to the 16,000 they got previously just a, two weeks ago. Yeah, 1,300. You know? We're looking at what, 600 bucks American or something like that? Six or 800? Um, less than I'm that. Thinking- cause seven, 700 Rand is like $47. So... Maybe a hundred dollars. Hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. Yeah, okay. hundred bucks. Just about. I'm trying to do the conversion right here. Yeah. So, like, Cecilia wasn't too happy with her thirteen hundred rand, aka hundred dollars, which someone died, gave their life for a hundred dollars. It's, it's not okay. Nope. Cecilia wasn't mad about the not okay part. She was mad that it wasn't as much as she wanted. So, um, literally four days later on may 30th 2016 they made an appointment this time with a realtor named han lee latigan they used the same type of ruse as they had for anthony and kevin and lured han lee to marinda's apartment the difference this time was that marinda's marinda wasted no time as soon as han lee entered the department they closed the door marinda pulls out a pistol han lee cooperated fully she gave up the pins after a little prodding, there's just a slight, you know, give me the pins, give me the pins, okay, I'll give you the pins. So she put up a tiny bit of a fight, and Marcel took Han Lee's car this time. Marcel just, give me the keys, I'm going to take your car. She went to the ATM. The pin was correct. However, when she went to withdraw the money, an error message popped up. Marcel went to a different ATM and found there were two accounts with money in them. And no matter which account she attempted to withdraw the money from, the same error message would pop up. Miranda called Marcel to ask what was taking so long, and she explained that she was getting nothing but error messages. When Miranda told Han Lee what was happening, Han Lee explained that the account she was trying to withdraw money from needed to have money transferred over to it from the other account, and to fix it, she would need her phone uh, to get into the bank information. Miranda handed her back her phone, but she kept an eye on her, making sure she wasn't texting anyone for help, and uh, Han Lee instead did transfer the money. However, Hanley transferred the money to her husband's account in the hopes that it was going to raise red flags. And fortunately for her, it worked. Hanley's husband called Hanley's phone right away. And when LaRue saw someone was calling her trying to get a hold of her, he just shut the phone off. 
Marcel had been going ATM to ATM at this point and managed to withdraw 3,000 Rand, which also led to Hanley's husband getting notified of this transaction. When Marcel called to say she had been successful, Marinda ordered LaRue to finish the job, but LaRue had never killed a woman, woman before and didn't feel right about it. When LaRue uh, told his mom he didn't want to kill a woman, Marinda pointed the revolver at her son and said, If you don't do your job, I'll kill both of you. LaRue knew his mom wasn't fucking around and strangled Han Lee. As soon as she was dead, they put her body in her car. This time, they wrapped a blanket around her to make it seem like she was just asleep in the car and drove away to drop it off somewhere. They decided they would dispose of her body next to the road somewhere on a dirt road. And as they were driving, they would throw the contents of Hanley's handbag out so it would be spread out. Man, that's where this fucking asshole draws the line. A woman? A woman? Yeah. Uh, that seems himself. seems arbitrary. I mean, I guess good for him for having some morals. I guess. But it seems arbitrary at this point. Yeah. You, you're killing people. You should have no fucking conscience about who you're killing. Yeah. It's, it's a weird line to draw. Yeah. So the police were already on the case because of the weird uh, bank notifications her husband was getting, and uh, they quickly found the vehicle since it had realtor stickers all over and it was really easy to spot. Um, unfortunately, since they didn't leave the body in the car this time, her body wasn't discovered until early the next morning when some school children walking to school discovered her body on the side of the road. Can you imagine finding a dead body on the way to school as a kid? No. Oh, I'm sure that fucked with those kids' heads for a long time. That's awful. Yeah, I mean, it It depends on how young the kids are, right? If I'm a elementary school kid, I'm like, oh, this person's asleep. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, it's, it's <clears throat> Unless so, they're like blue and you're like, holy shit, I think this person's dead. Like, it sucks that they murdered her, but they, I think they should have left her body in the car. Like, why, why traumatize and involve other people in this, like, it just—it's not fair to the random kids who had they nothing don't to care. do. Yeah, I mean, it's fucked up though. Like yeah. it's, it's awful. I don't like it. Yeah. What was the movie where it's like, hey, you want to see a dead body? I think that was, um, uh, not Lean on Me. Um, my, wasn't? Was it My Girl? No, that was. I don't know. <clears throat> We're idiots. Someone will tell us. Yeah. Nick I think quotes all the time. Nick quotes all the time. It's with, isn't it with Ice Cube when he was a young kid? Yeah, wasn't it Lean On Me? That has to be it. That sounds so... That sounds right. There's a bunch of kids, and they're like, hey, you want to see a dead body? And then they go look at a dead body. Boys in the Hood? No. Not Boys in the Hood? No. Is it, is it Lean On Me? <clears throat> it might be Lean On Me. I know. We, we've been going on for this way too long. Someone yell yeah. at us. Tell us yeah. what's happening. I'm pretty sure it's, it's Lean On Me. Yeah. Comments, sounds... comments on a Facebook post like, hey, you guys are idiots. It was this movie. Yeah. Is that... The quote is, hey, you want to see a dead body? Yeah. Yeah. So, since this murder also didn't have a huge payout, Cecilia demanded that LaRue take out a life insurance policy on himself and on his dad. LaRue was obviously sketched out by this request, but was too afraid to disobey. He also didn't want to do it because he had just recently started talking to his dad again after his mom had kept him separated for so long because, you know, Miranda's a giant piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but LaRue did as he was told. It didn't really... Um, it didn't really matter, though, because at this point, the police had decided to put their efforts together and combine all these similar murders and try to find a connection. And this led to two men, for some reason, named Christian and Fabian, getting arrested and subsequently confessing to orchestrating the murders of Glenn and Kevin. 
So these dudes were arrested and they confessed to, yeah, we we did this. We planned and murdered Glenn and Kevin. Wait, the so police, just random random people? Yep. Right. Yeah, I did, yep, I did it. Yep. The what? police believed them, though, because one of the numbers that had called Kevin's cell phone the day that he died belonged to Christian. So he's like, yeah, I was one of the last people to call him, and I'm the one who met him. So these dudes are like, yeah, I did it. Christian more than Fabian, but, you know, we did it. We're guilty. But these dudes turned out to be nothing more than attention seekers and confessed just for the sake of like 15 minutes of infamy, which to me doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you want to do that at all? Um, makes no sense unless you're like, yeah, jail sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, luckily, though, the police were making real progress and used the CCTV footage from the ATMs to see who had withdrew the money. Marcel and LaRue had used big hoodies to hide their face, but the police still knew it was them since, you know, they're well known to the police and they live in the vicinity of the ATM. So they're like, yeah, you can cover your face, but we can tell that, you're, you know, that's you underneath there. What do they put we, the hoodie over their face and cinch it shut? What the fuck? Well, they they like put the hood over the face and see it was oversized. They you know put their face down so it was casting a uh, shadow okay. on the rest of it. Okay. Oh wait, they knew where the cameras were, so they thought about it. But still, you could tell this is Larue and Marcel. Yeah. You know, but they they couldn't officially say that because they you know they didn't see their face. They just know it's them. You know. So since they didn't have absolute proof, they called them in under the pretense of helping with a stolen computer. But their intention was to get a clear image of the two siblings in order to compare, uh, better compare it to the CCTV footage caught. As soon as they walked in, though, the police were like, yeah, you guys look exactly like the people on CCTV. Like, they didn't really have to get, like, forensics. Like, yeah, you look just like them. They might have been wearing the same sweaters. I don't know who gives a shit. You know, it's stupid people. So, like, yeah, yeah that's, in the end, they're idiots. So, yeah. So that's that's you. So on June 23rd, 2016, the police arrested LaRue for the three appointment murders while he was out fishing with his estranged father. Marcel was picked up the same day at her home. And while they were arresting Marcel, they noticed some weed growing on their balcony. And because this was Miranda's apartment, they arrested her too for possession of marijuana. So although as great as it would have been to arrest Miranda on weed charges and then find a connection to the murders, she was let go eventually and charges were dropped. Because of this, Miranda filed a lawsuit against the police for wrongful arrest, and she wanted a cool million dollars for her troubles. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Wrongful arrest? Talk yeah. About. So because of the timing of these arrests, Cecilia's plan to murder a doctor and take his money never happened, and their new plan was to have LaRue confess to everything, which he did. Marcel, on the other hand, stayed silent the whole time. Miranda managed to convince LaRue to take the fall because she told him about her 1 million rand lawsuit and she had said she would use the money uh, whenever she wins it to bail him out. She's like, yeah, I, I got this, this in the bag. You know, whenever I get that money, I'll, I'll give it to you to get you out. So the police had figured that since Zach had been associated with the appointment murderer, then Jared was likely a victim of theirs and they managed to obtain his blood sample from Jared's mother and his newborn daughter to compare it to the corpse in the morgue. They positively identified the corpse as Brian, as Brian, as uh, Jared. And um, <laughs> Brian. why did I write Brian uh, as Jared? Because we miss Brian Pingle. We, we do miss Brian Pingle. You would have been wheezing at that. Yes. So um, they positively <laughs> identified the corpse as Jared. And through some anonymous tips, they also figured out Zach was definitely still alive. So on June 26th, they went to where he was living, but found only his roommate. 
the roommate didn't recognize his name, Zach Valentine, but he did recognize the face of the picture of the man in the picture and said, oh, yeah, that's Michael Davilios and told them where they could find Michael. Zach was working on a farm with another dude. And when the police asked them to identify themselves, Zach said his name was Michael Davilios. So they asked him to lift up his shirt. And this exposed a tattoo, if you remember, of Alexis Perdias that he had gotten. Um, it was that he had gotten his back. Yeah. And they asked him again, what's, what's your name? And he replied, Zach Valentine. Now that three of the six members were in jail, Miranda would visit her kids regularly, but not because of some motherly instinct or guilt. No, Miranda was making sure they had their story straight, which was made clear by the fact that Miranda kept a diary of sorts and would bring it to jail with her to talk to her son especially. And in this diary, she would write down notes and questions for LaRue in order to be sure he would take the fall completely. It's also obvious she didn't give a shit about her children because she changed her will from giving her kids everything to giving it to Cecilia to spend however she wants. And if she wants to share whatever money is left over with her children, then she can. But she doesn't have to. Cecilia has full range. If she doesn't want to share the money, she doesn't have to. And she's leaving basically nothing to her children. So... Uh, yeah, this this diary came into um, custody of the police, and they're like, you wrote down a bunch of questions to make sure he knows what to say. Uh, yeah. Yep. And you, you kept this, you kept every page, and there's tons of evidence that you're doing this? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> so well, yep, here it is. Yep. <laughs> so on June 29th, 2016, just three days after Zach's arrest, both Marinda and Cecilia were arrested for fraud relating to Zach's fake death. Now, the police had a clear connection between the appointment murders and Jared's murder, so they opened up the investigation to include all weird deaths in the area, and that's when they became suspects in the 2012 satanic murders. You know the old saying of, like, when it rains, it pours, or maybe, like, shit rolls downhill? You know, maybe one of those two? Well, that's kind of... uh, Shit rolls downhill. When it rains, it pours. Yeah. Yeah. Shit rolls downhill. I like that one better. Yeah. So... Uh, That's kind of what was happening because suddenly there was a bunch of random tips that would come in and one of the tips told the police to search Miranda's classroom. So with the help of the school's principal, they searched her classroom and found like a shit ton of ammo. I'm talking like 3,000 rounds just hidden away in the closet at school. What the hell? Yeah. So I feel, I don't know. I don't want to blame the principal on this, but I feel like the principal should have done a better job of knowing what's in the school. You know, I'm not saying they probably could have done anything about it, but I don't know. It just feels like be more aware of what's happening in your yeah. school. I don't know. 3,000 rounds just in a That's closet a and no one found it. That's a or, lot. Oh, well, but someone found it because someone had a random tip. But someone knew about it. But for them to just now find it at a school... That's yeah. that's crazy to me. And this is 2016 at this point. So the school shootings were already a, a thing <clears throat> in the world. Metal, yeah, there should have been metal detectors for any single person that walked through the fucking doors, <laughs> including teachers. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. So for some reason, John Barnard was the last person to be arrested, even though he was technically the easiest one to prove he had something to do with at least the appointment murders. You see, John had taken his real cell phone with him to the crime scenes, so it was easy to track his movements and see when and where the crimes had taken place. So because of John's stupidity, they actually have a timeline of when and and where things happened. So that's why it was, even though he was last to be arrested, that's why it was easiest to prove, yeah, that you're involved in this. There's no doubt about it. The rest of them took burner phones. 
So the police also knew for a fact LaRue was lying about being the only person involved in the appointment murders. They just had to figure out how to get him to stop saying he was alone and tell them the truth. During the investigation at the school where they found the bullets, they also came across the new will Marinda had made in the three days since LaRue's arrest. So during an interrogation, LaRue was shown this new document and realized nobody gave a fuck about him, especially his own mother. And from that moment on, LaRue would tell them every detail about everyone that was involved. So he said, fuck you, fuck all of you. Yeah. I did all this shit for nothing. I'm going to sing. I'm going to yeah. sing so fucking loud. And he Y'all did. can burn. Y'all yeah. can fucking burn, motherfuckers. Can you imagine, like, you're in interrogation and he's like, here, here's this official document. Read it. And he reads it and realizes that Cecilia is getting his money that would have gone to him. And she can give him some if she wants, but she doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. Like, it's shitty. So what's crazy is the new detectives that were on the case were actually... I still, I still actually, don't feel bad for him, though, by the way. No, 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 not in the least. Yeah. No, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not. It's just I'm glad that if he was, people were going to go down because of their own, they fucked over their own people. Like, you know, what goes around comes around. Yep. So what's crazy is the new detectives that were on this case were actually doing their job and doing it well. The problem was that they found out very quickly that Detective Occult, which we don't say his name because he is a piece of shit. That's why I call him Detective Occult. Part of the OBU? Yeah. He had absolutely not done his job. Uh, Actually, all of OVU had not done their job. And it's actually possible that they were helping Alexis Perdias cover up their crimes. As it turns out, the detective that would show up and investigate the original crime scenes, the guy I've been calling Detective Occult. Uh, he would show up and deal with talking to Rhea. He would deal with the crime scenes um, and all kinds of stuff. And he wasn't even the officer assigned to the case. He would just show up and interfere, basically. And it actually turns out he destroyed some of the evidence, including official documentation and the murder weapons taken from the crime scenes were never found again. So Detective Occult was on some shit. I don't know what his deal was or what he his stake in this whole thing was, but yeah, he was just a rogue guy that heard the call come out. He's like, I'm on it. Yeah. Yep. But it, like I, I said, it wasn't it wasn't just Detective Occult. Um, it's these. It was a bunch of officers in the OVU, and we're not going to say their names because I think they're still being investigated to this day. Like they were, they're being accused of mishandling evidence, lack of doing their job, um, and you know, destroying evidence completely. So I think yeah, I mean, they're still is, under investigation. So that we're, we don't name them here. Yeah, this was only like what five years ago. So yeah, it's very. And all of this came to light in like I want to say 2017. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So fairly four new. Year, yeah, yeah. Four year, rough five years. So yeah, it makes sense that they would still be doing an investigation into the. Uh, the officers Miss, that were yeah, involved. The yeah. that were it's clearly. not a quick, yeah, it's definitely not a quick trial when it comes to that type of shit. So, so when Alexis Perdias finally went to court, they were charged with seven counts of murder, four robberies, and several incidents of fraud. John Barnard decided to take a plea deal, and in return for testifying against Alexis Perdias, he was only charged with five of the seven murders and given 20 years in prison. After right. more, yeah, he didn't. John Barnett didn't technically do anything. He was just told them who to kill. So he got 20 years for his part in helping them do it. Yeah. Because he, he turned on everybody. Yeah. But five of seven only gets you 20. So that's four uh, years per murder. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right, but Whatever. that's what happened. He turned on them pretty quickly. Like I said, yeah, LaRue, yeah. LaRue turned first and told them everything he knew. So he and took then, a plea deal basically. 
Yeah, yeah. That's you're not going to get, they you're not gonna get life in prison. Just give us the information, and we'll give you twenty years. Yeah. So after okay. he did, he sang. Uh, after more testimony given by John, um, the state decided to add racketeering and participating in a criminal enterprise to all of Alexis Perdias' charges. Then Miranda decided she also wanted to enter a plea bargain and pled guilty to all charges, including the new charges. After her testimony which brought the total count to 11 murders along with all the previous other charges. So she also pled guilty and entered into a plea deal. Do you know what her time? Yeah, we'll go over it because she still gets fucked. Okay, good. So the prosecution did, however, run into some problems when like 90% of witnesses were either too afraid to talk. um, And if they did talk, they refused to take the stand. Um, and then they refused to officially testify against Alexis Perdias. Um, some of the witnesses even told lies about what they knew about the crimes, just so they wouldn't be considered for testifying. Um, and then when they did find people willing to talk, they would be so distraught by what they knew, they became mentally unfit to stand uh, to testify in the trial. So even the main person that this was all about, Rhea, Rhea didn't trust the police enough to come forward. Even after she heard about the arrest, Rhea, but she, after they found her, she moved away. She just disappeared. She moved away after the police found her, made contact with her. She still didn't trust them. And when she did eventually agree to meet up with them, um, the day that they agreed upon, Rhea was like in the same I'm gonna say restaurant as them, for example. And mm-hmm. she watched them, the cops that were supposed to interview her uh, for like two hours just making sure they were like, they said they were yeah sitting in the corner with the newspaper covering yeah. half her face yeah so she she didn't trust police ever again basically um, i don't know why they didn't with all the witnesses like refusing to take the stand they should have moved it into a different area yeah i right? guess i think they did eventually once the full charges came out they did take it to a different county if they have those but a different court system yeah the, the, that's what they it's what's supposed to happen like if a major murder uh, serial killer uh crime were to happen in orange county and all the witnesses are like ah, no, no no i don't want to get involved they would just move it to like central california yeah but so, um so no one in the area knows uh, about it and they're not as worried about uh people coming after him, I guess. Yeah. It took the police a long time to catch up with Rhea also because Rhea straight up changed her name. Rhea's not her real name anymore. You can't find her. So when it was her turn to testify in court, no cameras were allowed. We don't know what Rhea looks like this to this day. Oh, she went to like uh witness protection. Type she, of thing? she did it to herself though. She, oh, she okay. went, she didn't Defer. agree. She didn't agree to testify unless there was zero cameras, zero press. Uh, the no one knows. Rhea, if you look at Rhea, whatever her last name is, you um, can't find her. She's a whole different name, different area of maybe she's not even in South Africa anymore, but she's, she's gone good. for good reason. So we come to the end of the story. And um, at uh, the end of the trial, um, they had all of Electus Perdias appear in court together. And that's that picture we'll post today. You've seen it, right? They're all sitting there in court together looking like assholes. And uh, then because LaRue and Marinda had already pled guilty, they were sentenced separately. Um, LaRue was given 25 years for his crimes. What? But, Fuck that. Yeah. LaRue was given 25 years because he was the first one 
to tell every detail because of him they know a lot more than they would have man um, he should have given the fucking life sentence yeah with, you, without execution that would yes. have been that would have been the plea deal so I don't know how he got 25 years. I I think it might Fuck be that, up to discretion in 25 years whether they'll let him out or not. I don't know if they will, but 25 years is what they're giving him. Mirinda, well, it's, always, it's always 25 years possibility of parole within yeah. those 25 years. Well, I don't. This is South African law. I don't know if it's different <clears throat> than American yeah, law. Yeah, fuck that shit, dude. It should have so, been. You have a life sentence, but we won't fucking put you in the electric chair. We won't hang you. We won't give you fucking whatever. The, corporal punishment they have out there that would be yeah. the plea deal you're still going to send you you killed people you should spend your life in prison not 25 fucking years because i think they young i think because um he had been threatened with death for not doing it they kind of took that into consideration that he was doing it under duress mm. i don't i don't agree with that but i think that's part of the thing because remember when he didn't want to kill the woman and his mom pointed the gun at him yeah. and said if i'm gonna kill you if you don't do it he he was forced to at that point in the eyes of the law. So I think that's why they did go really easy on him. I think they took pity on him when he's not the one I feel like they should have took pity on. Yeah, it's stupid because so, it comes down to the fucking jury as well, I think right? If, if you can if, convince the jury that you're like, oh, I, I was fucking under duress. They take a little bit of pity for fucking stupid people, I guess. If there was oh. anybody in this situation they should have taken pity on, in my opinion, it is Marcel. But uh, they did the opposite. They took pity on LaRue and they're like, no, fuck you, Marcel. Fuck you weren't directly threatened with your life like LaRue was. But did Marcel kill anyone? I don't think she technically did, no. No. She was she, just involved. She was involved. I mean, she was but heavily she involved. She didn't kill anyone like fucking LaRue did. Yeah. So Miranda, who had also... Oh, man. Dude, I, hate, I hate fucking the jury <laughs> system. Sorry to go off on a tangent. I hate the jury system because I don't know if they have it in South Africa like we have in America, but it's a jury of your peers. Mm-hmm. there are a lot of stupid fucking people that they put on the jury and your life is in their hands. Yeah. It is, it's not God, man. 100% perfect, but I guess it is what it is. Ah, I, so like right. I said, Miranda had also pled guilty, right? She took a plea deal um, and she, in, in exchange for telling everything that she knew, Miranda was given 11 life sentences plus 115 years for her part. Okay. Cecilia, Cecilia Stein was given 13 life sentences for the murders and uh, 155 years for the other offenses. Zach Valentine was given eight life sentences plus 93 years. Marcel Stein was given seven life sentences plus 134 years. Man. System failed there a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the rest of them are never getting out, but I, Oh, I don't, that LaRue thing, it really got under my skin when I, when I wrote that down, I was like, really 25 years, even if he, he was, was under duress, the lesser of the sentences and he participated in a majority of the deaths, strangling them. Yeah. I don't care if it was under duress, you fucking killed them. Yeah. It, Marcel didn't kill anyone like, at, per our knowledge. Marcel didn't have any hand in the, she didn't physically kill someone. She just happened to be there and go out to the ATMs and steal their money. Did not kill anyone. And she actually lied about her knife bending. So she wouldn't have to participate in one. Like I said, I don't necessarily think they deserve sympathy, but if there was one who 
I would give it to it is Marcel. I mean, she she was very, very smart. Everyone acknowledged that in the courtrooms. And I think that counted against her because if she was so smart, she would have got out of there. Um, but uh, she, I really think she was forced into this life and didn't want it and didn't know how to get out. My opinion, I don't know. The court saw it differently because she wasn't directly threatened with uh, death like LaRue was. Maybe that's the point in which yet again after all the evidence they collected she didn't physically kill anyone hmm. she just happened to be part of this fucking stupid cult that killed people i don't know it's it's fucking stupid like obviously and i don't condone what any of their actions but to be that harsh seven life sentences plus 134 years that's probably other than uh cecilia the fucking the one leading she got the worst of them all yeah and it hurt and then cecilia's part she the whole time like i don't know anything i, I wasn't even there she's like i don't know nothing so still they, they saw through that she they realized she was a mastermind yeah so and good give her the fucking harsh sentence but not someone that was fucking 14 and forced to go to a fucking murder yeah oh dude i don't know yeah well that's the story of the krugersdorp cult killings <sighs> Yeah. Anyways, uh, let us know what that movie name was in our comments. <laughs> yeah. um, let us know how angry you are at the court in South Africa well, for yeah, fucking well, that up. Stupid and can't think um, of fucking and movies. Give us a thumbs up if you've never heard this one before, because this is a, one of the ones that are out there that are, aren't really that well known. Yeah. That's no, good. Thank you, Octavia. Hey, man. No problem. See you next time. All right. Love you guys.